Well, here we are. It's the first week of June. The legislative session is over, as we talked about last week. We did a little debrief. We can do a little bit more on that. But um, I'm joined once again by David Stokes and Patrick Ishmael of the Show Me Institute, and I'm Susan Pendergrass, Director of Education Policy. And I kind of want to start this week because um, for whatever it's worth, good, bad, or indifferent, we, each of us, are often introduced as experts. That term kind of throws me every time I hear like, you're the expert, that we are experts in our policy areas. And I have been perplexed by a question this week that as an expert, I should know the answer to, which is how much does the state of Missouri spend on public education? Okay, well, here's the thing. No one knows that answer. The Missouri (laughs) Budget Office, it's got a nice little interactive website that you can go to. It is called um, the Budget Explorer. And according to that, last year, the Missouri state government spent $6.7 billion. The report that the auditor used, the numbers the auditor used, came from the Missouri Department of Elementary Secondary Education, and the comparisons came oddly from the National Education Association, which is a one of the largest teachers unions. They claimed around $3.8 billion, $3 billion swing. If you look at the federal government report, oh no, if you look at DESE, puts out a file that is called Missouri Finance Data and Statistics. They say last year, $4.5 billion. Then you look at the federal government numbers, it's like $3.6 billion. And then I went to the Missouri Lottery website. They claim that last year they gave, they contributed $2 billion to education. So we spend somewhere between $3.6 billion and $6.7 billion, depending on how what you do or do not keep in there. And uh, the problem I have with it is number one, there should be a number that we all should be able to find easily. And number two, when we're being compared and accused of spending too little, which then obviously triggers the, we need to spend more argument. I feel like we should be using the right numbers. What's the relationship between spending and achievement? Because I think the only thing that really matters is whether kids know their ABCs and their one, two, threes coming out of school, you can spend $10 billion. I mean, I, I don't think that we've spent less than we were spending this year on education. Whatever that number is, it does seem like it keeps going up and up and up. The per, per pupil cost seems to keep going up and up and up. What What is the relationship between spending and achievement? Yeah, there's never been a proven relationship between spending and achievement. And there are people who put a lot of time and effort into that. But there's some baseline level you got to spend, right? However, Missouri spends about, depending on which numbers you would like to believe, somewhere around 12 to 14,000 per student. Let's just say it's 12 and you've got a classroom of 20 students, that's $240,000. The teacher's gonna get 60, 70 with benefits. I mean, a third of it maybe. That means you've got another $150,000 going to what? And I guess the answer is buses, curriculum materials, one one answer that um, is for sure is uh, staffing. That's not teachers. There's been like a surge in non-teaching staff, which is where districts have chosen to put money. But you're right. Spending per student and spending overall only goes up. It, it does seem like that. We, we do have a lot of staff now that we didn't have before. And not right. only do we have a lot of staff, but we have a lot of districts in Missouri, just like numbers in America, yeah. there's like a 500 something districts. That's right. Uh, 
of, of different sizes with staff and teachers. I mean, is there a more effective or efficient way of managing this kind of patchwork of, of educational systems? Or, I mean, is really our best path forward just trying to promote um, uh, school choice? Because I think that's for achievement purposes and for tailoring education to kids, I think school choice is really important. But I mean, is 500 districts and all the staff and all the all the other teachers that go with it in in that kind of a system is that sustainable for the state over time? I mean, you talked about this. It's not something I completely understand. But in Missouri, we have this crazy overlap between counties, school districts, legislative districts. We have all these layers of municipal government. Um, that don't correspond to each other. And so I think it creates conflict. We have 520 districts. How many counties do we have? 100 and some, 130? 100, 115 counting the city of St. Louis. And there's very little overlap between them. So you have um, little tiny districts and you know, Missouri's, uh, St. Louis County's got a ton of school districts inside of it. So you get all these layers where, you know, who's responsible for what, if a bus, I mean, I don't know. To me, yeah, I like the idea of school districts being contiguous to counties. And then the I, beyond that, to me, the ideal would be no, no school districts at all. So every parent is given um, uh, funding to pursue the education that works best for their child. I know that that's not going to happen in Missouri, and it's St. Louis that really gets worked up about that, but it would be the ideal. But um, Florida has 67 districts, we have 520. Uh, it just creates not only layer upon layer, but then sort of conflict between the municipalities and the school districts. So it's not ideal and it does cost a lot of money and you've got districts, we have a lot of districts. I mean, dozens, I guess, with fewer than a hundred students and they have a principal and they have a superintendent and sometimes that's the same person, sometimes it isn't, but it's a lot of bureaucracy. And I think we would be wise to, to straighten that out, but I just don't understand been talking to our colleague Elias Chapellis, who came from the budget office. I don't understand why the state of Missouri doesn't know the number. That's what I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, and especially when you're talking about the number of districts out there in the subdivision, I think it does come back to a question that we talk a lot about, especially now about local control and what that really means and what its actual role should be in public policy. And I think local control or trying to have uh, decision-making at the lowest level of government possible <laughs> is a good general principle for, you know, efficiency. You have local knowledge, you know, you, you might be able to deliver better services. But I do think that, uh, you know, over time, the state does have to take uh, stock of, one, how much is it spending on, on uh, these programs generally, but also how are these programs, how effective are these programs? Yeah. Uh, and like you say, I mean, is there value to consolidation? And I think that's where the state has to start kind of making some, you know, adult decisions at some point, because, uh, you know, you need to know where the money is going, how much money you're spending, but you also need to know whether these districts are achieving like you want them to achieve. These schools are achieving like you want right. them to achieve. And if they're not, then they're, they, maybe they need to be merged. Uh, and the state needs to start seriously talking about that rather than kind of like shuffling off and saying, oh, it's local control, you know, we're, we're just gonna, no, I mean, the, the kids need a good education and, the state may need to, to step in at some point. But I just think we need to know the number. Last week, I talked a little bit about why the ES, the new ESA program may or may not go into effect, because we do not know if we did or did not cover 40% of the transportation costs, because we don't know what those costs are. I mean, I just feel like these are very basic questions. And the numbers I just presented swing by billions. 
it's either 3.6 billion or 6.7 billion. And I know that 3.6 doesn't include transportation, doesn't include special ed funding, doesn't include pre-K. Those are education costs. I don't see why you just selectively leave them out to make the number lower. Um, I think it's probably closer to 6.7 billion, but my beef is just like, we should know. That should be a knowable number. And to your point, Patrick, I think once things get more spread out, it's kind of hard to bring them back and consolidate them. I think St. Louis is trying to um, reduce the number of aldermanic districts they have. Do you know, David? I think that's right. And and that doesn't, it's never a successful um, campaign, right? Well, the, the interesting part is, you know, further consolidation may be needed, but, you know, it's, it's I don't think a lot of people remember or know that you know, as recently as the 1960s, Missouri had 5,000 school districts. Sure. So it's it's already been reduced by 80 to 90 percent in the total. And is is further consolidation necessary? And I think it may well be. But I'd be curious if if the really large school districts out there, the New York City school district, Chicago school district, I mean, are they are they less top heavy with administrators than say? A rural school district with a hundred with a hundred kids, or is, or or are they not? If you get too big, I think you can swing back around. Like, what is what is the right size of a school district, if if such a number even exist, if such a number even exists, and it may not. No, you're not you're not wrong, but it, that that consolidation from the five thousand to five hundred was driven by this progressive movement by Dewey, which is to say that if you have five thousand districts. Like each high school was a district, if I understand right. it correctly, in, in Missouri. Yeah, it was one-room schoolhouses. The one-room schoolhouses. Literal one-room schoolhouses. Yeah, and that's, all, that's great. But it's 2021 now, and high school students need at least access to calculus and maybe Adobe and HTML and maybe physics or maybe, you know, like high schools are required to do more now, you know, and so it's kindergarten and for that matter. So that like bucolic one-room schoolhouse thing is just not – uh, the best delivery vehicle to to graduate high school students who are ready to either go on to college or career. And so what you find in some of Missouri's smallest rural school districts, you know, the community loves them and there's this like sort of pedestal putting of them, but they don't offer the same experience as what students are having in the Clayton school district or, you know, independent school district. They're not taking AP classes. They're not, they don't have access to the computers that now run cars so that they can learn how to fix them. I mean, they just don't have the same experience. And it seems to me kind of unfair that we protect our little fiefdoms and our little school districts because that's, you know, um, got this incredible amount of local control and then kids don't have opportunities to have this a similar experience to suburban high school students. Some a lot of our districts, in fact, don't offer the um, a sufficient course load to apply to Mizzou. And I've heard people say out loud, "Well, maybe kids in those areas don't need it." <laughs> that to me is uh, very demeaning and insulting. Of course, there's plenty of engineers all over this future engineers all over the state and doctors and and all kinds of things, pilots, whatever. So. I think that um, holding on, I mean, our school system looks pretty similar to what it did in the 1950s. Classrooms with 20 to 30 kids and a teacher at the front. And I think we're gonna have to start to think of um, a redesign of that. In 2020, 2021, sort of forced a massive redesign. So we'll see how much of that sticks. But my point is on this conversation and I will move on. My point is we should know the number. We should know how much 
Missouri spending on K-12 education. And some, we ought to be able to just go online and find the number and not have, you know, plus or minus a billion dollars. And, and I, I'm always curious about, you know, the, the motives, if there are motives behind a study like that, um, because it does seem like, you know, every newspaper picks up a study like this because oh, we're 49th or 50th in the country. And it always seems kind of uh, t- timely, like the timeliness of stories like that yeah. seems to be like odd. Not uh, accidental. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, wow, that's that's so interesting. We were just that's talking about funny. education funding. Wow, that's great to have this study here. But, you know, it, like you say, we, we at least need to know, have an agreed upon number, but even beyond the number, I do think that, you know, you talk about reforms all the time. It's not just about what you're spending, it's how you're spending it and whether the kids are learning. And I think too often kids aren't learning the way they ought to. And survey yep. after survey of parents, and other people, when you ask how much do we spend per student in any state, there's hundreds. I mean, there's, it's like a, it's like a game almost. People underestimate by about half. They say about 5,000 per student, and it's actually 10 to 12. And before you ask how much we spend, when you ask, should we spend more, almost across the board, everyone says, yes, we should spend more. Then you say, how much do you think we're spending? They get that completely wrong. You tell them how how much we actually spend, and a lot fewer people say more. But there is this sort of, to your point, Patrick, like this sort of myth that's perpetuated, like we don't spend enough. And Missouri in particular, now we're last. We got to spend more. And... um, you know, to what end? Like how much more? Double? I don't know. Well, I want I want to follow up on that to to the point where I mean you said the study was it was an audit that led to all these newspapers by the state auditor's office. And I would be I would be curious what the state auditor's office or people who support think there's something wrong with these findings want to do about it because because we're still spending a lot on on students. So it just means that Missouri instead of spending more at the state level, we're spending more at the local level. That's well, right. I mean, who pays state taxes? The same people that pay local taxes. So, I mean, is there really something wrong with funding a slightly more of education funding at the local level than other states are? And I would propose there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's more uneven, though. What I'd be I'd be curious. Well, we do even it out. That's the whole point of the state stuff. But I I'd be curious. What does the state auditor Think should be done should there should there be higher income should Missourians pay higher income taxes should there be a higher state sales tax for education I mean just just putting it out there that we're spending less at the state level than other states even though there's no evidence that we're spending less overall than other states like what what do they propose be done like do they think that the Missouri income tax should be increased and more state money spent on education and then presumably you know, taxes further raised or cut or whatever at, at local property taxes. Like, what do they want done there? I mean, I think you're right, because I don't think people think about the idea of they want a bigger slice of the pie, but they don't realize that it requires a bigger pie, especially when you look at like Medicaid and the amount of money it takes out of the budget. Like we can't just slice a bigger piece out for K-12 education. We we would have to have a bigger pie. We'd have to have uh, more income tax revenue. So right. um, or, or higher state sales tax for education. Like, like what does the state auditor think? should be done to to address this problem, which I don't even really think is a problem in the in the first place. But yeah. they based on the audit, they they clearly think it's some type of an issue, unless they're just trying to score political points with with a cheap, cheap and easy hit. Well, I mean, it's easy to manipulate numbers, right? That's what you were. Um, that's what you wanted to discuss this week around reassessments versus property tax increases. To me, 
changing the uh, assessed value of a property versus a property tax increase, it's kind of like manipulating the numbers, right? You can affect, you can, you can um, change one or change the other, but if the result is the same, that somebody pays more on income taxes, which I mean, property taxes, what does it matter? Well, we have we have rollback requirements in Missouri. So so as and this is June. This is sort of the height of the every other year assessment period. What's a so rollback? The rollback is when when property tax assess when property assessments go up, taxing districts have to roll back their rates so that it does not lead to a substantial mm -hmm. property tax increase. Okay. You, you have that throughout Missouri, with the exception of the Kansas City School District, which is another issue we've been talking a lot about recently. That it's probably time to remove the Kansas City School District's exemption to that rollback requirement. Within Kansas City School District, if assessments go up 15 to 20 percent this year, as they very well might, people are going to pay 15 to 20 percent more to Kansas City schools. So it's really a windfall for them. Mm -hmm. In the rest of the state, it's not it's not that bad, thankfully. But this is the time of year where people should really be paying attention to notices they get from the assessor's office and should be going to their county assessors online sites to see if they have a preliminary assessed valuation. Most people probably have it up. And most people really? should be thinking if they're going to need to appeal their, their real estate values. It's with property values increasing so much around the country this year, it's really going to be interesting to see how much assessments go up across Missouri. And if we have the same type of assessment battles or scandals that we saw in Jackson County in 2019 and in St. Louis County uh, multiple times within the past two decades, including 2001, perhaps the most famous one. So, do they, so you just said they have to reduce the rate so that homeowners don't pay more. They do. And there's, there's inflationary allowances in there. So you don't have to reduce it 100%. And what you're seeing, is, at least in the St. Louis area and probably elsewhere, is a few places are trying to rush property tax increases onto the August ballot. With the yeah. August August of odd years, odd numbered years is a very rarely used ballot time. But you're seeing this in perhaps the main one in St. Louis County is the St. Louis County and St. Louis City and County is the community college is trying to put a a, a tax district on the August ballot. So, so do they, they have one now? So I'm they do. They, do they current are they currently a taxing district? Right. And they're trying to they're trying to raise the rate eight cents um, per hundred dollars. And one of the reasons they want to do it in August is they want to predate. They want to get it in before assessments are finalized so that the rollback from the reassessments will will start at their higher eight percent higher rate if it passes, then roll it back after the fact when they won't get the full value of that eight eight cent tax increase. So it's an area. It's an interesting debate, Susan, because. I'll start with admitting that eight cents per hundred is, I don't want to scare people to claim it's some giant property tax increase. It's, it's not, but, but you know, we, I'm a, I think we're all fans of the community college system in Missouri sure. and the things it brings to, to many students who go there for two years and learn skills and trades to go to the workforce, or maybe just go on to a four-year college after the community college. So I'm, I'm probably inclined personally, Solely personally speaking for myself, vote vote for this because I like to support community colleges. But it'll be very interesting to see if the people of St. Louis City and St. Louis County and even parts of surrounding counties that are in that same community college district, whether they'll they'll 
want to support that community college. Isn't that one of those things, though? You say that it's it's uh, to put it on the August ballot in an odd year. Isn't that the kind of thing where the people who are interested in having it happen make sure they get out and vote and get their neighbors and friends to out and vote, and people who are against it kind of stay home because there's oh, no. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Let's it's a school bond well, issue. People well, will not vote for it are people who want it. Yeah, that's long been the reason for the use of June and August ballots for mm-hmm. school district issues when, you know, cert- certain people are off school and are off work in June and can be sure to, to get there to vote. Uh, so it will be interesting what type of turnout you see. And there are there are some other property tax votes in St. Louis, like in the, the obviously the it's not a large city by population, but it's a very important city. And Clayton is going to see a property tax increase proposal. What about Chesterfield? Aren't they, isn't Chester, oh no, that's a tax credit. Chesterfield's doing the movie and song, uh, I'm sorry, right? Movie and music production? St. Louis County passed a a tax tax incentive for a new production facility out in Chesterfield. And it's a, it's a, it's a, absolutely a horrible decision. I mean, it could not be a a bigger waste of tax dollars or something (laughs) that would be wonderful. Would be wonderful to have, but I don't why I don't know why taxpayers have to subsidize it. And I just read that the foundry, which we talked about a little bit last week, the Mayor Jones was going to rethink the um, tax incentive financing for the foundry shopping and restaurant district in St. Louis. Uh, they have decided to contribute to low income housing in exchange for getting their tip. Did I read that right? You did, and I need to study it up a little bit more on what the decision that was just made yesterday, but it does appear that unfortunately the TIF has been approved and all they had to do was agree to make a pressured donation to politically favored taxing districts in order to get their TIF. I do not think that this is, I do not think that this is progress, that now companies and developers can still get their subsidies. They just now have to agree to make to make certain donations to under pressure from politicians is voluntarily. It, is now, it pay to play? I, yes, I mean it okay. does appear to be to be close to that. And I want to be careful what I phrase here because you've certainly seen in TIFs where developers will agree to voluntarily make payments in lieu of taxes to schools uh, that would otherwise be available to them, and that's a very good thing when that happens. I don't think it justifies the TIF in the first place. But it's it's a good thing, and maybe I'm un, maybe I'm being unfair that uh, that this is just that type of voluntary payment in lieu of tax taxes. But it does, doesn't appear to be going to the schools. It appears to be going to a a popular new low low income housing tax credit program uh, picked under pressure from local politicians. So I do not think that this is progress now. That. Mm-hmm. Politicians, whether if it happens around the state, that you'll get your subsidy when we get when we get our voluntary donations to our politically favored causes. That's that's not that's that's a step backward, not a step forward. Right. I wanted to ask you, Patrick. Do you know the? Do you have any thoughts on the likelihood of a special session at the state level on public safety? I heard about this yesterday. Yeah, that's a great question. And I know that, um, you know, there was a press conference uh, with a bunch of St. Louis area representatives yesterday that was, you know, uh, pressing for such a special session. 
I, you know, I think they're going to have to kind of land on some uh, idea <laughs> that they're going to base the special session around first. I mean, it's one thing to say that you want a, a public safety special session, but what's, what's that mean? What's the policy that you're going to advance? And you put that in context with all the other special sessions that are being talked about right now. Like what? Medicaid, yeah. uh, uh, you know, the provider tax uh, you're, you're talking about. Uh, redistricting is is going to end up happening anyway later on. Um, th there is there was so much done in the legis regular legislative session, uh, and, but yet so much left undone that there are a lot of uh, legislators and interest groups that really want special sessions called for their, you know, I'll say pet issues, but you know, some of these issues are really important. Um, but, uh, you know, I think rural interests want uh, a, some tax credits renewed. And so they want a special session for that. So, you know, not everyone's gonna get their special session. I think uh, of all the special sessions that could be called redistricting is probably the most likely. We have to uh, have it, right? Yeah, yeah you have to have it. Uh, and then beyond, beyond that, the optional ones, Medicaid is very likely to have a special session around it. Uh, calls for C uh, critical race theory to be brought up in a special session pretty low probability, I think it'll probably be taken up next year. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about public safety, we have to make a decision about like, what's the policy that we want. And I think once there's some explicit articulation and agreement among, uh, you know, a majority of the legislature about what they want to have done, I think that will increase the likelihood that the governor will call it because the governor doesn't want to call a special session and then it just be a waste right. of everyone's time. Um, well, but, I thought it was about diverting um, police budgets to something other than policing. So I know Kansas City had already voted to divert, divert a portion of their police budget. And St. Louis is not considering doing the same, but a much smaller number. I think only $4 million um, re, uh, reallocating that money to something that's not exactly police work. Um, and I thought the special session was going to try to prevent local communities from doing that. And I don't see how they could possibly do that. But this does bring to mind the fact that maybe the Senate shouldn't have spent the last day filibustering. In fact, go back to like February. Maybe the legislature should have worked harder on these things during the session and not tabled a bunch of things with the expectation that they can get special sessions on them. Because like you said, we don't normally have four or five different special sessions. I don't know why we would this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember the, the most that I've ever seen in the last decade. And maybe it was two I mean, I, it, it just isn't something that, you know, we have a special session every month, you know, which is effectively what we would need to have to address all these issues that everyone wants a special session for. Um, so uh, it, it'll be real interesting to see how the next, you know, few months go, what ends up emerging as a priority. And, and like you say, you know, how you how you prevent Kansas City and St. Louis from, you know, advancing bad public safety policies. I mean, you, you have to start getting specific pretty soon if you want something done in the next few months. But, you know, in Kansas City, they actually, uh, the police board got an injunction uh, against what uh, Kansas City had uh, in, intended on doing. So at least for the next 30 days, you know, we don't know exactly what the, the answer is going to be about what Kansas City's obligations are going to be to funding the police department. But I mean, I, I, if there's going to be a public safety special session, it'll probably happen, you know, not uh, in the next 30 days, but maybe once there's some clarity about that that issue and that litigation in Kansas City. In the fall. I mean, doesn't Missouri have a relatively long legislative session, six months out of every year? That seems relatively long to me. It depends on how you 
how you determine. I mean, there are some states that have full-time legislatures and they, they just basically work year-round. But, um, you know, I, I would say, I, you know, the five and a half, six-month legislative session for Missouri, and certainly there is stuff that's done even between the session itself, you know, committee meetings and all sorts of hearings and that kind of stuff. But I'd say, you know, the length of the regular session that Missouri has is probably a, about average. It's not unusual for it to be half a year. Um, but uh, there are states that, you know, pay their legislators, you know, like it's a full-time job because for them it is a full-time job. And yeah. in Missouri, it is basically a part-time job. And I don't know that we would necessarily want to move the legislature to being to working full-time because I feel like that would be uh, uh, an opening to expand government because, you know, what, yeah. Yeah, what else are you going to do if you're going to be just working full-time? You might as well just, you know, pass another program. So this is okay, um, but they should be more efficient with the time they have. So, uh, David, what are you looking at in the upcoming week? What's on the radar for you? I'm looking at a decision in St. Louis County uh, next next week, probably, on the Crestwood TIF. It'll really be there's a TIF proposal. This is the Deerbergs? This is for, for the Deerbergs in Crestwood. And it'll be an interesting decision as to how St. Louis County is going to move with, with subsidies. The St. Louis County government's certainly been better than many governments uh, with it, uh, you know, defeating, voting against various TIF proposals. Some were overridden and some have thankfully not been in recent times. But it'll be, I think, a, an interesting direction to see how the page administration goes with this with this Crestwood TIF proposal. I mean, it was it wasn't it wasn't exciting to see the administration and the council totally support this tax giveaway out in Chesterfield. Uh, but we'll see with 17 million in TIF and and community improvement district tax subsidies for a, a grocery store when there are several other grocery stores right around there that exist a without fancy grocery store. <laughs> right. it is a fancy grocery store but i would i'll be very interested in seeing how how st louis county moves forward on that and the public hearing on that is june 17th so i guess that's i guess that's two weeks from now i am waiting on stuff from the school system uh students took the school years are wrapping up right around now memorial days in the rear view mirror now schools took Public schools took map tests this spring. I don't know. Um, I don't really know if the data are going to be released publicly. I don't know uh, how DESE is going to handle the release of that data. I think there'll be a lot of um, discussion around why we can't compare it to anything. I don't know how they're going to handle the participation rates because I mean, a lot of kids, we don't even know where they are, let alone did they, I think they had to come in and take the test. So, I'm very curious to see um, the outcomes and the data around that as it gets released. And I'm hoping that that happens over the summer at least. So we will check back on all of these things next week and anything else that happens in the state of Missouri. So thanks for taking the time, you guys. For more Show Me Institute podcasts, visit showmeinstitute.org.